everybody, I just wanted to take a minute and thank you for listening to this podcast. Make sure you leave a like and a review on whatever podcast platform you're getting this from. Watch my daily radio shows live stream on rumble.com slash Casey the host. And I'm moving away from Facebook onto Telegram. So please follow me on Telegram at Casey the host. And of course, my website, which is a conservative news aggregator. You can get all of the best real news every single day, plus my daily show prep podcast videos and more, theburningtruth.us. And if you like knives, Kydex holsters, pepper spray, and hidden cameras, make sure you do your shopping at asdefense.com. Enjoy the show. I did post the immediate aftermath of what happened on my website at theburningtruth.us. Now, keep in mind, that is graphic, okay? So, essentially, it starts off where you have somebody with their cell phone going. They're inside one of the train cars. They get to the stop. The doors open. They come out. They turn around, and the smoke is billowing out of the train cars, and people are running out of the train cars, and then wounded people are being carried out. So, please keep that in mind that if you're going to watch it, it is graphic, okay? But I, I do have that up on my website at theburningtruth.us. Um, it appears to have happened inside the actual train, not a train station. All right. So that's everybody was basically kind of trapped there. It is an ongoing situation. There are at least 16 people with confirmed injuries, um, including 10 who sustained gunshot wounds. They did throw smoke grenades. Uh, He had a a mask on. He's described as about five, five heavy set black individual. And last we saw about 10 minutes ago was still on the loose. And we don't know where the the gunman is. So they disappeared on the train and somehow blended in with the crowd and got away. Uh, So they're saying that this is an active situation right now. The was about 15 minutes ago uh, on Fox News. They said that the mayor of New York was calling it an active shooter situation. But there aren't any reports of anything happening in any other areas at this point in time. And they're not, they're refusing to call it a terrorist attack at this point, but we'll, we'll have to continue to watch on all of this. No fatalities have been reported so far, and we hope that that continues to be the case, but they're still on the loose and they're still looking for them. But very, very compelling video uh, if you wanted to see it. There's plenty of pictures and stuff like that. So we're, we're in that, you know, you're in the digital age now. Anything that happens is just going to be recorded. It's going to get out. Um, but, it, you know, early reports basically had it at a train station, but it happened on the train as the train was moving. So people were trapped inside the train and they threw some, uh, some like gas bombs or, or uh, smoke bombs or whatnot. And they had a mask on themselves. And then they, then they opened fire that way. Uh, luckily, you know, when you look at the injuries and stuff like that, a lot of people seem to be injured in, in limbs and things of that nature. So a lot of leg injuries as well. So it looks like, you know, so far, I don't want to speak too early, but we certainly hope that, we will not have any fatalities here. The injuries right now appear to be manageable, uh, although still traumatic. So, yeah, uh, again, just still developing situation. So if there's any breaking news, anytime we have something like this during the show, if there's any breaking news on that, we're going to stop what we're doing and we'll go right to the news or we'll we'll give you the updates on that. Because if we end up turning into you know a manhunt and they find him or uh, he's he ends up being cornered somewhere. Obviously, that's going to take over the news cycle. So we will do that if that develops. But at this point in time, there's nothing further really, other than they're they're still on the loose and they're considering this an active situation in New York City. Now, I want to go ahead and kind of pivot over to to uh, politics and and I want to talk about Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg has had a very bad week, and Pete Buttigieg. Here, here's the thing: 
I don't know what it is. I I don't know his upbringing. All right, I get it. He's a privileged, you know, privileged white kid, what have you. But this is a this is an individual who is extremely uncomfortable around black people, and I don't know how that's really possible when you're in South Bend as a Democrat. But it is. I there are very few people in public light that I would look at and go, wow, that person should never be around minorities. Not because of their their being a danger, but just because of the optics of it. Pete Buttigieg is one of those guys. And everybody kind of knows that he does not resonate with black voters at all because he had zero support among black voters when he ran for president. Um, He doesn't have a lot of support among black voters in South Bend. He's just not very popular with them. And part of that is I think he's just really awkward around them. Uh, The one of the cringiest things I think I've ever seen in my entire life was when he looked at Al Sharpton and said, do I eat this fried chicken with my hands? What are you talking about? You're a grown man. You eat the chicken however the heck you want to eat the chicken. You don't ask anybody else permission. You don't grovel that way. But that's exactly what he did. And it it didn't help him at all. Not a lick. When he broke the law in New York and went and consumed what is alleged to be a 40-ounce beer with a couple of black podcasters, and he did it in public, on a kid's playground, which is a violation of New York City law, we, we looked it up, uh, that didn't buy him any favors either because nobody believes that Pete Buttigieg runs around you know, drinking 40s out of a paper bag. Nobody believes that. This is a guy with fava beans and Chianti. Everybody knows that, okay? That's, that's just who he is. All right, nothing wrong with that. Just be who you are. You don't need to pander to people. Hillary Clinton doesn't need to do a fake accent. Hillary Clinton doesn't need to talk about how she carries hot sauce around with her and all this other nonsensical stupid stuff. Just be who you are. And if you resonate, you resonate. If you don't resonate, okay, fine, whatever. Maybe work on personal growth. But the reason I want to bring this up is I'm going to start off not with Pete Buttigieg. I'm going to start off with Joe Scarborough begging Al Sharpton to explain to, you know, basically rich white liberals that rich white liberals, especially woke rich white liberals, are not well liked by anybody. They're not helping anybody. Uh, you, if you spend any time on social media whatsoever, you will see over and over and over again, minorities who are left leaning, okay, liberals, Democrats, whatever, they will tell you over and over again, the worst group of people for them are white liberal women. They're the ones that virtue signal the most. They're the ones playing the woke Olympics. They're the ones drinking the boxed wine and pretending that they're actually doing good with their hashtag activism. And minorities do not buy it. Okay, a lot of a lot of comedians did stand up on, on this uh, right before the pandemic hit. Just kind of like you guys got to stop stop with this. Like we get it, we appreciate that you're trying to put an effort. You're doing too much. You're going overboard. You're alienating us at this point in time. They're offended by everything, but they're not offended for themselves. They're offended on behalf of people who aren't offended. And th- honestly, that is the primary character trait. One of the primary character traits of a rich, white, stuffy liberal is that they are offended for people who are not offended. It's just something that is in their DNA. Well, I shouldn't say their DNA because they're not humans. Their code. Okay. The programming code for the MPC liberals out there. There's something about it. And I, I don't know where it comes from, who wrote it, what have you. So this is this is Joe Scarborough begging Al Sharpton, please tell woke white liberals that they alienate minority voters. Can you kill my audio for me, please. 
They're losing people of color. They're losing people of color because they really don't get the people of color's life. If you are living in a city, in a neighborhood that is inundated with crime, and you act like that is not an issue, you've already lost me. That is an issue. Yes, we must deal with policing. I've been out front. Of- All right. Now, that was after Scarborough was talking about, hey, on this issue, minorities are more conservative than you woke white liberals in D.C. And he went after you know, crime and policing and all of these other issues. And again, it's you do not find you do not find woke black men. They don't exist. OK, there there's like one every four or five million. They just don't. Black women, you find more of that because there is an activism angle there that um, is is very active. But as far as, you know, black men, no. Um, generally speaking, black men are really socially conservative, generally speaking. All right. Obviously, there are, um, you know, not a universal example of that, but generally speaking. So that is Al Sharpton explaining to everybody, okay, woke white liberals in D.C., you are alienating minority voters and you're alienating minority voters because you don't know anything about them. And that's that really is the truth of a lot of these so-called elite liberals is that they're rich, silver spoon in their mouth. They went to private school. They don't spend any time around minorities at all unless it is a function of the party or if they're pandering. Whereas blue collar white people are around minorities all the time and they tend to be Republican. They work with them. They live with them. They go to school with them. They date them. That's not the case with rich white liberals who drive the woke movement. It's just not. They don't spend any time around minorities in their natural environment. It's all artificial and corporate and everything else. So this is Pete Buttigieg. He goes on the, uh, what is it? The what's the morning? The Breakfast Club. There you go. I was gonna say the Morning Brew for some reason. The Breakfast Club with Charlemagne the God. Okay, Charlemagne the God says this. Let's cue, cue the audio, please. Listen to this. This is what Charlemagne the God said to Pete Buttigieg. You, you do realize, Pete, uh, a lot of black people feel like Democrats have kept no promises since they've been in since they've been in office. Really? Yeah. Really? Really? What? What are you talking about? Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they. That's how out of touch they are. They are so out of touch. And this is why it has been so frustrating over the years, because the Republican Party has refused to capitalize on this. They just refuse to do it. And there are some local parties that are making that effort. I know that I've talked about that quite a bit, but I'm talking about like the state and the national level. The Republican Party is they basically written written that voter block off as a waste of time and money because they're not going to win them over. So why try? So they're going to focus on groups that they think that they can they can win. But the reality is, when you talk to black Americans, they always tell you they only vote Democrat because they're the only ones that show up. But they only show up every two to four years. They, they don't care about them the rest of the time. They only show up every two to four years. And I told you uh, yesterday, you go on social media right now, there's a ton of young people doing interviews with young black people. And they're asking, them, hey, be honest, do you miss Trump? And they keep saying yes. They miss Trump because they want the economy. They want inflation to be down. They want low gas prices. They want that back. And the truth of the matter is black Americans never had it better than under President Trump. That is just an absolute measurable fact in every measurable category of our economy. And they are starting to realize that just because they were told somebody was racist, even though he wasn't, they were told that 
and that the guy who's actually said very racist things his entire life isn't the racist guy. They're starting to realize, hey, the guy that they said wasn't racist is not doing very good for us, while the other guy that they lied about being racist actually did an awful lot for us. And and they're starting to see that in real tangible measures. Okay, But it's, it's not just this issue per se. Um, Pete Buttigieg actually decided to pick a fight with Ron DeSantis? Pete, you can't beat Ron DeSantis in an election. Okay, you can't do it. We'll talk about that coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. No man should wear a ring that looks like Schmeagle. Schmeagle's hunting it. I'm sorry. It's just, it's wrong. It's wrong. So, Pete Buttigieg, he goes on The View. All right? You can keep my audio again, please. Here's Pete Buttigieg on The View. And he decides to take on Ron DeSantis. Okay, let's let's do this. Your husband, Kasten, is a teacher. And he's been a vocal critic of what's going on in my state of Florida when the, with the so-called don't say gay law now, um, which he says will kill kids. Do you agree? And, you know, as a, as a politician, because this, this strikes you as, you know, your husband is a teacher. Yeah. You are... Uh, obviously LGBTQ yourself, and you are now a parent. Yeah. So how do you feel? About yeah, this? He, he's right. And, and I think... No, he's not. No, he's not. And Chastin, who um, loves to display his lack of dedication to researching things on Twitter, as he has done for many, many years, uh, is wrong. And so is Pete. I don't... What else is there? I've read you the bill, Okay. There's nothing in there about denying somebody's gender identity. There's nothing in there about denying somebody's sexuality. There's nothing in there about it. It is purely that you are not going to teach age-inappropriate sexualization uh, lessons from K through third grade. It It covers anybody who has an alternative feeling about themselves to everybody who has a standard feeling about themselves. It covers all of that. You're not going to have that in the classroom. And, you know, what's interesting is there's a lot of these man-on-the-street videos now that are running around. Like, oh, you've heard about the, so- the so-called don't-say-gay bill. And people are like, yeah, 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 I totally oppose that. Are you aware that it doesn't even say that in the bill? And people go, what? What are you talking about? Because it's not what it's about. It is purely about not giving a kindergartner a, an age-inappropriate lesson plan. That's all it is. And as you start getting into third, well, fourth grade, fifth grade, things like that, like I said, most people think you could probably extend that, you know, out to fifth or sixth grade before you start, you know, getting into any of these issues, if ever. But the reality is there's nothing in this bill that would jeopardize the health and welfare of any child, period, end of story. And anybody who says otherwise is just lying to you. Now, keep in mind, Chaston is the guy that runs around and does the alternative Pledge of Allegiance to the LGBTQ flag. Keep that in mind. It won't kill anybody. There's nobody in there denying anybody's humanity. For these teachers who go on social media and cry about how they can't introduce themselves to their classroom, that's not true. None of that is even covered in the bill. All it is is you are not going to give a lesson plan that is not age appropriate. And there are very specific themes in the lesson plan that you will not discuss at that age because it's considered age inappropriate. There's nothing in there where you're going to have a six-year-old, which for the record won't ever happen. You have a six-year-old in there going, I'm gay. 
And then the teacher has to say, you're not allowed to be until you're in third grade. That's not going to happen. That's not in the bill anywhere. But as you have these men on the streets, they're going around and they're talking to people about the bill. And they're actually reading them the bill. And you know what everybody's saying who opposed it? Like, oh, that's not at all what I thought it was. Right. Because it's a giant marketing strategy. It is a giant marketing strategy. And (laughs) so they don't have any idea what to do about inflation. Biden's going to speak about inflation today, right? 8.5% inflation is. 8.5%. Another month, another 40-year record. We've been setting 40-year records every single month on inflation since like three months before the invasion of Ukraine. But I know it's Vladimir Putin's fault. So once again, we're at that. Guess, guess, anybody? Anybody want to guess? Who is being hit the most by inflation? Anyone? Anyone? Oh, swing state moderate voters are getting hit the worst. You think that's going to help the Democrats or hurt them come midterm? Exactly. But they don't have a plan to deal with that. They don't have a plan to deal with anything. I mean, listen to how shocked Pete Buttigieg was when Charlemagne the God said, you know, black people feel abandoned by you guys. Really? Yeah. That's what happens when you tell people who can't afford $4 gas to go buy a $55,000 or more electric vehicle, you idiot. People won't relate to you because you're unrelatable. Because you spent your entire life locking yourself away from the general public and pretending that you're better than they are. MNC News Time is 3.31. It's time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Um, I will be playing some more audio here, so just I'll cue you up in just a second. I, I wasn't planning on playing this much, so I'm sorry I wasn't giving you a heads up. All right, so here we go. The news media decided to take Biden's memo about, uh, you know, the Putin price hike, this stupid bumper sticker slogan they've come up with. Trying to blame Putin for everything. And we've already debunked all of this, okay? It was already, we already had seven year record high gas prices, basically four months into Biden's usurpation of the White House, okay? So that's not Vladimir Putin's stuff. That's July 2021. We also have 40 year inflation highs multiple times before Russia invaded Ukraine. So it's obviously not Vladimir Putin. Not saying that that isn't making things a little bit worse. I'm just pointing out that we already broke those records and it just continues to get worse. Now, in the meantime, what they're continuing to do, which makes inflation worse, is print more money. You need to stop printing money. If you print more money to pay your bills, then you're going to increase inflation. This is a basic fundamental tenet of our economy. And everybody who has, you know, basically Econ 101 understands this. The more money the government prints to cycle through and pay their own debts because of of tax collections and whatnot, then the higher inflation is going to get. That's what we're dealing with right now. So we've got that. We've got supply chain issues, which, of course, Pete Buttigieg is doing a terrible job of managing. Uh, We've got food shortages, some of which were were, major issues before Ukraine. will now continue to get worse after Ukraine. I've got to get Michael Yawn back on the show for the, uh, actually, the early show. I want to spend at least an hour with him because he's the one that brought this up a while ago that we're going to start seeing major, major food issues because of the uh, war in Ukraine. So keep keep all of this in, in mind. So the media goes out there because Biden's basically saying, oh, it's the Putin price hike. That's the little you know slogan that their marketing team came up with. Washington Post, prices rose 8.5% in March compared with a year ago, the largest annual increase for four decades as Russia's war in Ukraine drove up energy prices. Right. The Hill. 
Consumer prices spike in March as Russia-Ukraine war fueled inflation. NBC uh, News Business. Inflation hits 40-year high of 8.5% due to the war in Ukraine. Yeah, right. No. It just goes on and on and on. They all got the memo. They all got the memo. I just want to remind everybody of what actually happened because we were highlighting, I know that a lot of people were, we were making fun of the Biden administration because they kept going to, no, it's a conspiracy theory that inflation's out there. No, it's just temporary. No, uh, inflation means a good economy. It's a good thing that we have high inflation. Remember that? Now, all of a sudden, they're saying that they expect it to be catastrophic inflation next month. Oh, okay. Here's Joe Biden. It's a little montage of Joe Biden repeatedly telling you that nobody is expecting inflation to get high, as inflation was already breaking records. Anyway, thank you, guys. Should Americans be worried about inflation, sir? May of 2021. Well, I I really doubt that we're going to see an inflationary cycle. And by the way, June 2021. Inflation. The overwhelming consensus is going to pop up a little bit and then go back down. I don't know anybody, including Larry Summers, who's a friend of mine, who's worried about inflation. We also know that as our economy is growing back, we see some price increases. Some folks have raised worries that this could be a sign of persistent inflation. But that's not our view. Thank you, less than they did to inflation. I would first say that uh, one of the steps that we've taken as an administration is to provide uh, a range of assistance uh, to the American people, whether it is in the form of $1,400 checks. Caitlin, if you actually look at the uh, numbers and the trends over the last several months, it shows that core inflation uh, was not only below uh, expectations, but it decelerated from last month. You had told uh, us in the town hall, I think it was in July, that... The, in, this was just near-term inflation. Number one thing November. that the president can do is help get COVID under control. Uh, that, we know, is the root cause of inflation and the price increases we're seeing for a range of reasons. And finally, also November, even as we meet, even as we meet to work uh, out this challenge, it's important to maintain perspective. Prices November. have gone up. And families and individuals are dealing with the realities of, of the, that bread costs more, that gas costs more. Now, we have to understand what that means. That's about the cost of living going up. When people go to the grocery store, and a pound of meat is more expensive than it should be. We agree. That's less related to supply chain issues. The inflation has everything to do January with January of this year. Inflation is up. February of this year. It's up. The second big reason for... Last question is Vladimir Putin. Mm. Oh, isn't that, isn't that weird how you, you saw them go, oh, inflation's not real. Inflation's not a big deal. It's going to go up a little bit, pop back down to, oh, hey, the economy's great. That's why we have inflation. Inflation means a good economy, too. Ah, ha, ha, things are getting expensive. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, yeah. All of that was before Russia invaded Ukraine. Russia invaded Ukraine two months ago. So they had already shifted into, yeah, this is this is not great. Um, people just got to get used to your Kamala stumble over that. People just got to get used to you know bread and, and gas costing more. That was before Putin invaded Ukraine. So they're lying to you. I know that you know that most of you know that, but I want to give you the ammunition to go out there and talk to your brain dead idiot oxygen thief friends and family members who aren't getting it because they haven't paid attention. 
They don't understand that this stuff has been going on for a long time. We have the charts. The moment the election was certified, you saw the price of gas and inflation shoot up. The moment it was certified, it had been going down up until that point. And it was because instantaneous, your energy prices instantaneously went up 18% Biden's first month in office because he attacked the oil and gas sector and inflation started rising then. What's funny is I just told you, when you print money, you cause inflation. And we told you this was going to happen under Trump. He said, regardless of who's president next time, they're going to have to deal with some inflation because, you know, we're, we're doing this whole Keynesian economics thing. Well, that's exactly what we're dealing with. But instead of actually fixing the problem, they're making it worse. You heard Jen Psaki and they're going, oh, yeah, to deal with inflation, we're sending you $1,400 checks, which makes inflation worse. So what's their solution for the gas prices, at least, right? There's got to be something. I know that states are going rogue and states are producing their own oil now. They're increasing output uh, in opposition to the federal government again. They did this under Obama. Montana's leading the way with that. But what are they going to do for gas prices? Wait until you hear their strategy for gas prices coming up next. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. So what is Yosef Biden's plan to deal with gas prices? All right. Let's take a look at it, shall we? The national average is around $4.10 a gallon. Nearly double what it cost the day that Biden was declared the winner of the 2020 election. Okay? The usurpation. So Biden is going to announce that they are going to temporarily allow E15 gasoline. Now, this is gasoline that uses 15% ethanol, and it is typically banned from sale from June to September, and they're going to allow it to be sold in the summertime. Archer Daniel Midland is back, apparently. Now, this doesn't make any sense because it is less fuel efficient You get less miles per gallon with this fuel. It's not good for your engines. Now, some engines can handle it, and some people debate that, you know, current uh, current engine parts can handle it just fine. But the reality is there's a lot of vehicles on the road that don't handle E15 very well. And because you're going to get lower mileage, any savings that you might actually get from buying E15 at the gas pump, any savings you get from it, are going to be mitigated by the fact that you get less mileage. This isn't a solution. This is, we don't know what to do, uh, let's get rich on ethanol. That's all this is. The ethanol lobby, is, oh, I should say the corn lobby, is back. Remember when they just made corn to eat? Those are the, those are the days. It, it, none of this makes sense. Red State writes, this is like uh, suffering a gunshot wound and then jamming your finger in it. Yeah, you might slow the bleeding for a moment, but in the end, you're going to do more damage than good. It's not always the case, but I get their sentiment. E15 is a garbage blend of fuel that harms engines, gets lower miles per gallon than traditional mixtures, which means that even if the cost per gallon is lower by a few cents, the driver will likely spend more money in the end to go the same distance they would on regular gas. Never mind the future repair costs that some will incur after the increased ethanol ruins seals, pistons, and other engine components, which ultimately is the goal because when you ruin those components, guess what you do? You buy an electric car. 
It's almost like they're planning this. How many times have I said that this year? It's almost like they're planning this. It appears that the Biden administration just wants to be able to say they lowered gas prices without any care for the actual result, which is typical. The White House has long valued shallow messaging over effective solutions as long as the so-called president gets gets to mumble in a speech about something, nothing else really matters. Regardless, how many gas stations do you know that are set up to pump E15? There aren't any in my area. You know what's weird about this? I was just thinking about this two days ago. I was just thinking about this. You remember when there was the, you know, the big gas price crisis under George W. Bush and then under Obama, and there were worse under Obama? You remember how many E85s you had everywhere? You don't see those things anymore. I mean, I know that they still exist. You just you don't see them anymore. When I looked up the numbers, there were 2,300 in the entire United States that are set up to pump E15. That is compared to over 150,000 total gas stations in the entire country. So in the whole country, out of 150,000 gas stations, there's 2,300 that can pump E15. It ain't going to help you. In other words, this policy change by Biden is ineffective on multiple fronts. The E15 blend itself is inefficient and damaging. But even if it weren't, it's widely unavailable anyway. There are proven ways to lower gas prices out there. Instead of doing those, we are getting the equivalent of telling poor families to go buy an electric car. Right, which is the goal of destroying all of your engine parts. Once again, it is almost like they're planning this. Speaking of planning, what if I were to tell you that there was a prestigious reporter from the oldest newspaper in France, which is considered one of their paper of records, who is saying the entire war in Ukraine is being run by the United States? That's an interesting Conclusion, And they're making that statement after coming back from Ukraine with foreign fighters. So we'll get to that here on the other side of this break. In the meantime, I would like to remind you that you can go to rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Please hit that subscribe button. We did the early show today as well. Uh, we do the early show Monday through fr- uh, not Monday through Friday, Monday through Thursday. Excuse me. We take Fridays off Monday through Thursday. Uh, so you can go ahead and get, you know, basically. There's there's one one or two little commercials in the entire thing, but it's basically commercial free for almost an hour and you get to hang out with us, uh, get some stuff that we don't usually talk about on the air. Or if we do talk about on the air, we can go more in depth with that long form interviews and things like that. We'll be coming to that soon. Um, Also, another major announcement. Fake News Flash is returning. I have uploaded various episodes from uh, from archives in the past to a whole new podcast uh, that has been set up that is already available on most of your your major podcasting hosts including amazon music and uh, it's going to be returning in its new form next week so stay tuned for fake news flash with its triumphant return uh, back to syndication that is coming next week more coming up news talk 95.3 michiana's news channel all right honest question though we've been having this debate on the live stream serious question though because I, I asked Alyssa a question Alyssa's here and i've been asking everybody If somebody you knew were to buy Epstein Island, would you visit? And I have a lot of people who say no. They don't want to be there. Too many many bad things happen, bad juju, what have you. Alyssa said she would absolutely go to Epstein's Island. First of all, it's a beautiful island. Yes, we know that a horrible person did horrible things there. Um, But again, it's, you know, it's a beautiful island. It's for sale. What, $125 million, I think. Okay. 
So we just crunched the math. We're like, okay, if you bought Epstein's Island, though, like, could you do something good with it? And I think that we could. Like, for example, I could just broadcast from there. We even we floated the idea that MNC just buys the island. Okay, so MNC will just buy the island. Uh, the headlines would be amazing. Uh, conservative radio station buys Epstein Island. We'll broadcast live. Um, you know, that's just think of the headlines on that, right? But but hear me out. Do you think over five five year period we could get a hundred thousand people or more over to Epstein's Island if we turned it into like a tourist thing? I think that we could. A hundred thousand people is not that much, right? We could do this, folks. We could get the loan, and we it would be twelve hundred and fifty dollars a person to go to Epstein Island, which we'll rename the Lair, and that is the same price. Okay, for everybody's like, I, I can't afford it. Hold on, just listen. That is the same price as the the Galaxy's Edge thing at Disneyland or Disney World, wherever it is. It's the same price. It's like $1,209 per night over there. That's what it starts at anyway, I think. <clears throat> so, I look, I think we can make this work. So there's a part of me that thinks that, you know, maybe, maybe good people should probably buy this thing and not just some rich snob and do something positive with a place that's got so many, uh, so many bad memories. I think, I think it can be done. So just floating the idea out there. You want me to be your overlord? I will be your overlord. Might need a new job soon anyway. Uh, Gilbert Godfrey, unfortunately, the actor and comedian has passed away. Uh, he's 67 years old. His family announced his death uh, this afternoon. Uh, Gilbert Godfrey is a legend. And uh, we're, apparently he had been dealing with a, with a long-standing illness that he'd been fighting. And, and the family announced uh, today at uh, round 323 that he did pass away officially on his on his Twitter account. So we're, we're sorry to hear that. But lost a lot of good people over the past couple of years in, in entertainment. And un- unfortunately, it's you know just a natural process of life. But, um, you know, Gilbert Godfrey is one of my favorites. I always enjoyed him. I know that he was an acquired taste for many people, but I was always a big fan of Gilbert Godfrey. He was very witty. If you watched him actually do crowd work and stuff, just really, really witty guy. Okay, what else do we have here? Shall we talk about teachers? Yeah, let's talk about teachers. Why not? Let's talk about teachers. Okay, got two stories here. One local, one not. Okay? So locally, a youth softball coach has been accused of having a sexual relationship with a 13-year-old girl. Uh, Police have arrested the coach of a local youth softball league for allegedly having sex with a 13-year-old female player. Uh, Michael Feltz, 45 years old, is accused of having a sexual relationship with with a minor since October of 2021 through March of this year, according to court documents. He is the coach and director and president of the OC Crush Youth Softball League in Mishawaka. Again, innocent until proven guilty. Okay, I'm just giving you a story. According to court documents, Feltz would meet with the player near Target off of Ireland Road on the south side of South Bend, where the two would then engage in sexual relations in his car. Court documents allege that he would communicate with the child via text, telling the girl to jump a fence, then walk towards his car before getting into the back of his vehicle. The reason that I'm giving you that that wording is because it shows the specificity of which he is being alleged. Um, and this allegedly comes from text messages in the daughter's phone. Eventually, uh, according to reports, the mother of the victim discovered the conversations on the child's cell phone. The child sent felt a message on March 27th describing the discovery Uh, saying that uh, she found out, and I don't know what's about to happen right now. I'm just freaking out. Please don't freak out and stay calm. Love you. Uh, So, 
He's been arrested. He's facing those charges. And I will put the link to the uh, the court documents in the Daily Show prep today at theburningtruth.us. So that is local. Okay. California. Anessa Page Gower is facing 25 felonies stemming from allegations that she molested seven students. The California biology teacher has been arrested for allegedly molesting seven students and sharing graphic photos online, according to law enforcement. Anessa Page Gower, 35, is facing 25 felonies over the alleged abuse that occurred while she was teaching at Making Waves Academy in Richmond, California, according to Costa District Attorney's Office. The alleged abuse, which was documented by multiple witnesses and victims, dates back to December of last year. So in a, a basically a four to five month period, she has diddled seven kids. Among the accusations are that Gower engaged in sex acts with minors, inappropriate touching and sharing of sexually graphic photographs. Authorities have not revealed the age or the gender of any of the victims, but the charter school caters to students in grades 5 to 12, according to the, the New York Post. Now, some of you might be going, well, 12, okay, but the felony charges include um, various acts to people under the age of 16. So we are talking about younger people. Uh, let's see. Okay. Sodomy of a person under the age of 16, lewd act upon a child, uh, contacting a minor for purposes of committing a felony, showing or sending harmful material to seduce a minor, meeting a minor for lewd purposes and unlawful sexual, you know, stuff. Uh, Making Waves Academy Chief Executive Officer Alton B. Nelson Jr. said Gower was terminated after the allegations came to light because charter schools can do that. Uh, during the course of an investigation into allegations that one of our teachers violated school policy, we learned of additional highly concerning allegations involving that teacher's conduct. This is according to uh, KRON4 News. We immediately shared that information with authorities who are reviewing the matter. That teacher is no longer employed by Making Waves Academy, and we have reached out to parents, students, and faculty to provide support where it might be needed. Can I just um, take a moment here? I need to applaud Making Waves Academy and the chief executive there because this could have gone down very differently, okay? I have covered teachers abusing students my entire career. You know what the one thing that you never get when that happens with a public school? A fired teacher. It never happens right away. There is always a long, drawn-out process where the teacher gets paid, union contracts, and everything else. They canned this lady the moment they knew something was up. And then when they found out more information, they turned that over to authorities. And then they didn't hide because they wanted to keep their name out of the news. They immediately got out in front of it and told the the entire public, we had a bad thing happen here. We are sorry. We took corrective action. And they're setting up things for any potential victims or anything like that. That's how you handle a situation when one of your employees does something that they're not supposed to do. That's how it is supposed to be done. Not silent, scurrying off and hiding. You deal with it, you acknowledge it, and you let the public know that you are not behind it and you don't support this behavior and you're not going to stand for it in your organization. Wish more places would do that. And unfortunately, the vast majority of places in my career have not done that. They've all run, hid, did everything they possibly could to not let the information get out. And then they do. No comment, no comment, no comment, no comment. And then all that does is, of course, fuel more speculation. 
It is not clear how the allegations came to light, though Making Waves Academy says that it informed police after becoming aware of Gower's predatory activity. About 1,000 students from grades 5 through 12 attend that school, which is located in Richmond, California. So, yeah, uh, a couple of pretty awful stories. But, yeah, they're totally they're totally not, uh, you know, not trying to groom your kids or anything like that. More coming up, News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. So a couple of, just a little, these came up in the the live stream. I was going to mention them a little bit later on today. I didn't get a chance to, but they came up in the live stream. So I'll do it now. Uh, A couple of stories that um, have been hitting politics, per se. South Dakota Attorney General has been impeached over a 2020 car crash in which he killed a pedestrian. Uh, South Dakota Attorney General Jason Ravsborg, Republican, was impeached by the State House on Tuesday over a 2020 car accident in which he killed a pedestrian. The State House voted 36 to 31 to impeach him during a special session of the first for the first time in the state's history. Uh, according to the reports, he was driving home from a Republican dinner in September of 2020 when he struck and killed a pedestrian who was walking on the highway's shoulder. He told 911 that he thought he struck a deer when he ran over 55-year-old Joseph Bover. However, when he returned to the scene the next day, he discovered the dead body on the side of the road. Uh, so he was he was impeached over that. And then you've got the lieutenant governor of New York. That guy was arrested for campaign finance fraud. Two big stories today um, out of the local political realm if you will like i said the political class versus all of us folks the political class versus all of us um cnn cnn is a well they're 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 a big joke but i you know what i'm not gonna do cnn yet. i'm gonna do cnn 430 i just wait because there's there's a couple of different things i want to do with the cnn thing and i want to set them up i want to talk about cam newton now i i don't really watch football anymore admittedly most of you know that um, I was not a huge fan of Cam Newton's. Uh, he's a little weird. Um, not that being weird is there's anything wrong with that. He's just not my kind of weird. And most of you who know me personally know that I really do enjoy weird. But he's just not my style, right? So Cam Newton, though, I have to defend this guy because Cam Newton said something. And he's right. Um, and, and he's expressing the way that a lot of men feel. So, ladies, you're going to probably want to listen up. And I'm asking the ladies to listen up without an immediate, visceral, feminist hissy fit. Okay? Which I know is a very difficult thing for feminists to do. But I'm asking I'm asking you to just, not the way that he says this. I'm just going to read it to you, but not the way that he says it. But I want you to just kind of just back away for a second and take this as... The opposite sex basically telling you, hey, we're having some issues with the way y'all are behaving. And I believe the guy should do the same thing for, for women when women have reasonable requests and that sort of stuff. So Cam Newton, uh, he went on a podcast and he complained about women who can't cook and don't know when to be quiet. And this is, for the record, um, guys in general like quiet and Women like to talk, and that's okay, right? They're, they're different. That's that whole Venus-Mars thing. And so sometimes, sometimes, guys are guilty of kind of like 
trailing off while somebody is venting at them. Uh, and then sometimes the venting is just venting for the sake of venting and not actually meaningful venting, and that's when we start losing interest. So this has always been a battle of the sexes sort of a thing. But he also went on to say, he goes, now a woman for me is handling your own but knowing how to cater to a man's needs. Now, what the heck is wrong with that? What's wrong with that? He was, talk he was talking about women. She's got to be able to handle herself, but also be able to cater to a man's needs. If she's going to be in a relationship, you have to do that. Guys have to do that for women, too. What is wrong with that? Honestly. So he's being attacked, of course, because God forbid any woman in a relationship would want to cater to her man's needs. And any man in a relationship should cater to his woman's needs. And if you're a reasonable person, you understand this. If that is not happening, here's, here's the truth of it. If that is not happening, and unfortunately, more and more and more in our society, it is getting to where the man is expected to handle the woman's needs and she is not expected to handle any of his. And this is continuing to cause major problems. And that you're seeing this in the birth rate and the marriage rate of our country right now. It's not just in this country where this happens, but it's kind of all over. We used to have this, you know, marriage was a partnership, relationships were a partnership, the, the, the other person was supposed to be your better half, right? Um, I see a lot of guys, this came up not that long ago, a lot of guys are like, oh, uh, well, she's the better half of me. Well, are you the better half of her? And does she think you're the better half of her? Because if she doesn't, you're wasting your time. If the other person isn't your complement, you're probably not in the right relationship, just generally speaking, right? And if you're going to be in a relationship that is a loving relationship, you have to give to the other person, which means you have to cater to their needs. And so here's Cam Newton. And let's be honest, this is an athlete who's a young guy who is super rich and super famous. And it sounds like he's getting to a point where he's starting to look for somebody to settle down. This is the type of language that you get from guys that are at that point. And he's having trouble finding that. Now, one of the reasons that he might be having trouble finding that is because he's running into a lot of groupies who are just interested in his fame, his wealth, and his money, and, and that sort of stuff, but they're not actually interested in him. But uh, this is also a problem for, for men in general in our society. We run into a lot of women who are not interested in the commitment aspect of a relationship, and, and that is, you know, the giving of. This happens a lot, and this used to be an issue with men. It seems like it's kind of flipped back. Uh, we had, you know, generate my generation, Generation X, had a lot of men who did not do this. So men wouldn't stick around, they would leave, they would abandon their families, cause tremendous trauma in, in the country and with younger generations. Now it seems to be flipped where more and more men want the commitment, and they're not getting it from women or the women who want to commit are only committing because it's a security thing, not because they actually want to be a partner. And to me, it sounds like he's looking for that woman based on, you know, the, the short snippet of this podcast that I've heard. And I'm too lazy to listen to the entire thing, but he's being attacked just simply for saying, I want a woman who can take care of herself, but also can cater to a man's needs. So yeah, ladies, I got news for you. Every single guy out there feels the exact same way. And I assume that a lot of you women are basically in the same boat. You want a man who can take care of himself, but can also cater to your needs. And there's nothing wrong or unreasonable with that. But a lot of people, both sexes now, a lot of people right now can't take care of themselves. 
And so they rush into relationships of convenience. And oftentimes those relationships of, of convenience are not the healthiest relationships in the world. You see this a lot with 18 and 19 year old kids who just want to move out. So they move in with their boyfriend or girlfriend. They're not at any point ready for that type of, of commitment. You see this a lot with young people. They do it because they just want to be out on their own, but they can't afford to be out on their own. So they go in with their partner as opposed to getting a roommate, which is probably the better option. And then you get stuck in a relationship that you don't like. If you can't handle your own business, you have no business being in a relationship with somebody else. I firmly believe this. And I say this as somebody who has been through this many times it never works out. If somebody can't be independent on their own without a relationship and they can't handle their bills, they can't handle their responsibilities and things of that nature, that is not somebody who is going to provide anything valuable to that relationship. And if you are one of those individuals, don't worry, you'll get there, but you've got to practice at it. If you don't practice at it, you don't actually try to do it and develop those skill sets, you're never going to develop them. So Cam Newton's being attacked by feminists everywhere just because he had the audacity of saying that he wants a woman who can cater to his needs. Okay? Every woman wants a man who can cater to her needs too. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's, there's no reason for anybody to be upset about that. And everybody who is upset by that statement is a bad partner. You can just read the writing right there on the wall. If they don't if they don't like the idea of somebody expecting that they can handle their own business and also cater to their partner's needs, if they don't like hearing that, they're not interested in catering to their partner's needs. They're only interested in having their needs catered to. That's not somebody you should be in a relationship with. MNC News Time is 431. Speaking of relationships, go get an engagement ring right now. Impress Jewelry Creations, meaningful jewelry for the moments that last a lifetime. All right, the latest that we have from the subway shooting in New York... And again, I posted the video of the immediate aftermath of that. Uh, and again, early reports had it on the platform, but the shooting started in the car as it was moving, in the train car. Uh, and then the video starts off with an individual with their cell phone, and they're, they're right there at the door. The train stops, the doors open, they pile out with everybody else, of course, screaming in panic, and they turn around to record everything. And that's when you see the smoke coming out of the train cars and people, you know, running for their lives. And then, of course, the wounded being carried out. Um, now, they're saying now that shooting did continue onto the platform. I didn't hear that in the video that I watched earlier. That doesn't mean it didn't happen. I'm just saying that I didn't hear that in the video that I watched earlier. That video is graphic, but it is available at theburningtruth.us right now if you want to go there and, and look at it. Um we have some updates on that. So the individual who's a suspect here wore a mask, of course, uh, you know, got the uh, the smoke going on the train, then fired at people. Right now, there's five people in critical condition, but they are stable. Everybody else is is in in a stable condition. So it looks like we won't have any lost lives here. I certainly hope that that continues to be the case. Um, the suspect is still at large, described as five foot five, heavy set black male, and they are looking for a rented U-Haul with Arizona plates, which could have been rented in New York. They're saying that the gun jammed, and because the gun jammed, that's why more people were not shot. So apparently the gun jammed and the individual took off, but somehow blended in with the crowd in the panic and the smoke and was able to slip away 
and and escape. So they're continuing to look. Uh, but the latest reports from the uh, FDNY, five people are in critical but stable condition at the hospital, and those are the most serious cases. We certainly hope that that doesn't change, but we're going to continue to update you on that throughout the day. And if anything breaks with that, because, again, they still haven't found the individual involved. They're still considering this an active situation. If that does happen, we will stop whatever we're talking about and go directly to that story. So just don't be don't be surprised if something like that comes up that we just kind of stop in the middle of the sentence and go right to it, okay? Uh, what else do we have here? EQ my audio, please. All right, CNN is a dumpster fire. And I know that most of you know that. I'm aware of that. But, I, you know, Brian Stelter, we make fun of Brian Stelter a lot on this show. We have for many, many years. I have made fun of Brian Stelter for over 16 years. There's a lot of people who have been making fun of Brian Stelter for like four or five years, but I've been doing it for over 16 years, since before he was on television. This is a guy who was on my radar very, very early when he had a blog, and that's all he had was a blog. Uh, And it was, again, it was dumpster fire back then. But the reason I I wanted to bring this up is, you know, he invites a guest on, and (laughs) he invites a guest on to talk about basically the media and how it spins information. And this person had done, you know, basically a, a study and had come up with these demographics of how the audience behaves and what, you know, audience who's audiences who view certain news channels, what they might be misinformed on or what they might be biased towards. And he has this guest on and the conversation is hysterical. Now I've told you before, The great sin of the news media is not that they're liars. The great sin of the news media is that they are lazy. There are liars amongst them. There are liars in any industry. But the big issue is that people in the news media tend to be lazy, which is why you have these montages of 50 different networks all over the country repeating the exact same line verbatim, even when they work for different companies. They all got that story from the Associated Press wire service. That wire service was written, that story was written by one person. And it was sent out to all of these news agencies. And what happened is the producers or whatever, they just plugged it into the teleprompter and they read the story verbatim as that one individual read it. And because of that, nobody changed anything. Nobody bothered to look at the data. They're just, they're reading it. I prefer that we don't call our news anchors news anchors because they're news readers. And that's what they call them in the UK. That is the most accurate terminology for the people that you see on your nightly news. Most of them are not journalists. Most of them have not even had reporter backgrounds or anything like that. They're just people that are designed to look nice and read to you most of the time. Some of them have journalism backgrounds and they had to work their way up to that point. I'm not slandering any of those people, but in large part right now, The people that you're seeing on TV, generally speaking, all over the country, sitting at that anchor's desk, are not really journalists. Their job is to be able to read a teleprompter, have a decent personality, be relatable to the audience, and that sort of thing. And that's it. And if they can do that, they're good. I have watched really, really good journalists get an opportunity at the anchor chair and completely fail because they couldn't read a teleprompter. Which is, by the way, not an easy thing to do. Have you been doing that in school? Do you do the teleprompter thing at all? It's not an easy thing to do. Reading a teleprompter is not great. Um, And if you at all, and I I mean this, I'm not trying to attack Dan Bongino, but I'm just pointing it out. Dan Bongino is new to television because he's got this show now. 
And part of Fox Nation is helping to develop talent. Dan Bongino is a very gifted podcaster and radio host. Dan Bongino doesn't have a lot of experience in reading scripts and things like that on a teleprompter. So they put him on Fox Nation where he can develop this. And if you watch his show, you will see him reading the teleprompter. It is a very difficult thing to do. Most people cannot read a teleprompter without making it look like they read a teleprompter. So a lot of the folks that you see in the anchor chair are there because of their ability to present that story and read that teleprompter, not because they have journalism chops. Okay. And as a result, when the AP wire service puts out a story, it goes to them and they just regurgitate what that one person wrote way back in Washington, DC. So he brings this guy on to talk about, Hey, Fox, uh, Fox viewers are not really well informed about things that are, you know, not going so well as far as the the polls for the Republican Party. Okay, well, here's how this went. So, Josh, you all call this partisan coverage filtering. Um, and it, basically, you're proving what we've sensed for a while, which is Fox viewers are in the dark about bad news for the GOP. That's right. Fox and CNN cover different issues. And Fox News predominantly covers issues that, that make the GOP look good and and make Democrats look bad. And, and on the flip side, CNN en engages in this partisan coverage filtering as, as well that we find. For example, during this time, the Abraham Accords were signed and these were the agreements where Israel, the UAE and Bahrain signed a, a major peace agreement. And we see that Fox News covered this really major accomplishment about 15 times more than, than CNN did. So we established both networks are, are really engaging in this partisan coverage filtering. It's, it's not about one side, it's about the media writ large. I think you're engaging in some both sidesism there, Josh. Uh, both sidesism, huh? <laughs> oh, we've sensed this for a while. Fox viewers just aren't very well informed about things that are not going great for the GOP. Well, CNN does it too. Whoa, ho, 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 ho. hold on a second. I brought you on to talk about Fox News. This is the guy that just got obliterated by a college freshman the other day at this disinformation conference, Brian Stelter. And this is what we talk about with information bubbles, okay? So Twitter has become a liberal bubble. And while we have this red-blue divide in social media now where all of these, you know, red social networks are showing up and conservatives are moving to those networks... You know, they're doing it because they don't have a choice. They don't want to. They want to be on Facebook. They want to be on Twitter. They want to be on YouTube. They don't want to have to set up their own platforms. They want to be on the big platforms because that's where the audience is. However, they're not allowed to be. And because they're not allowed to be, you've given them no choice but to set up their own parallel economy. And that's exactly what people are doing. The problem with this is now the liberal bubble that already existed on Twitter and has for well over a decade and has been documented by numerous studies at the academic level, that is now going to get worse because there won't be anybody on Twitter of a, an alternative viewpoint who could challenge any of the things that the blue checkmark brigaders post on Twitter. And then on the, the opposite side of that, if you set up truth socials and getters and things like that, but you only have people on the right going over there, you're now setting up an echo chamber for people on the right. And traditionally speaking, libertarians and conservatives do not like echo chambers. Liberals love echo chambers. That is what the, the research has shown for a very long time now. Liberals will set themselves up in a sphere of influence so they don't engage with anybody who doesn't agree with everything that they agree with. And that just creates this echo chamber. So you run online, you post something, if somebody disagrees with it, you just 
block that person and you never have to view them again and you just continue to surround yourself in the warm blanket of confirmation bias. Conservatives and libertarians don't do that. Conservatives and libertarians seek to convert. So they seek out other opinions. They read other opinions. They learn about the other side and then they present their counter arguments to it in a debate. That's typically how the ideologies have functioned. And the research, again, has, has shown this for a very long time. Liberals don't do that. Liberals shut down speech and competition and conservatives and libertarians seek out free speech and competition. But if liberals are unwilling to leave their bubble and go to Truth Social, they're just going to continue to reinforce and grow the bubble on Twitter while people on the right will rarely be able to engage in anybody on Twitter because they're going to be on Truth Social and Twitter is going to be banning and suspending them. So it's just going to continue to get worse. Well, the same thing goes for television viewership. You know, people don't watch CNN because CNN is not good at what they do. They watch MSNBC, and MSNBC is unabashedly biased, but CNN is dishonest. And because CNN is dishonest, people do not trust them. That's people on the left, that's people on the right, that's people in the middle. It is a universal truth. People do not trust CNN because CNN will not be honest with themselves and their audience, and this is a prime example of that. You've got this guy who wrote a whole study, which Brian Stelter was too lazy to read, because nobody in the news media bothers to do this stuff. And he has the guy on. He's like, yeah, we've thought this about Fox News for a long time. He's like, well, I mean, yeah, but you guys do it too. For example, here's the Abraham Accords, the historic peace agreement that is probably the greatest Middle East peace agreement accomplished by any president in the history of the world. And you guys didn't cover it. Well, you're just getting in, uh, you know, uh, this, this, uh, this uh, aboutisms and stuff. No. You're just unwilling to accept that you are everything you accuse Fox News of being and much worse. Fox News brings people with dissenting opinions on. Fox News has liberal Democrats on their payroll. People who actively disagree with the main, the main channel programming on Fox News. CNN doesn't have that. MSNBC doesn't have that. Every alleged token Republican that they have are all massive left-wing activists. None of them are actually Republican. So that's why nobody trusts them. But they're, they're refusing to even acknowledge that basic fact is exactly why you can't trust CNN. And that's what makes this next story so hysterically funny. We get to make fun of Chris Wallace a little bit more. Coming up, Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. All right, we already know that nobody watches CNN. They lose to everybody. We've made fun of, of uh, Chris Wallace quite a bit on the early show as well as this show because he made the decision to go to CNN+. Plus. It's like nobody watches free CNN. Who is going to pay for CNN+. Plus? Well, we have the answer to that. Uh, nobody. Uh, we already know that uh, they were looking at firing some people and restructuring and probably just rolling it into a package of television options so that way it didn't stand on its own and, you know, you'd get a membership or whatever and it would be included. Uh, here's, the, here's the thing. They expected like 2 million people <laughs> to sign up for this thing right away. Yeah, um, that has not happened. Uh, big cuts are reportedly expected to be coming down the pipes for CNN's new subscription streaming service, CNN Plus, after the service failed to garner even 10,000 daily users. Let me, I'm going to put this in perspective. 
My audience dwarfs CNN Plus, and I am a local radio host in Michiana. I'm not trying to put myself down or anything, but my audience dwarfs CNN Plus. Fewer than 10,000 people are using CNN Plus on a daily basis, two weeks into its existence, according to CNBC. To put that daily user number in perspective, CNN's cable network suffered a sharp decline in viewership last year, but still rang up to 773,000 total viewers a day. And that is just because they don't want to watch anything else. They think that they're watching something that's unbiased, even though it is probably the most biased. Honestly, I think CNN's more biased than MSNBC. And they thought launching this thing, and I don't know what idiot told them that this was going to happen, but when they launched, I read an article earlier today that they were expecting like 2 million people to sign up to this for this thing in like the first year or something like that. And that's, that is not happening. Nobody's using it. And the content isn't there anyway. You would have to do something dramatically different than what you do on your cable television programming. But they're just doing the same stuff on that they do on TV. And the stuff that they do on TV doesn't get any viewers anyway. So I don't know who told them that, hey, if you have a product that nobody actually wants to watch, you should probably launch a, a, uh, a paid version of that and do the exact same thing and see if people watch that. Nobody's interested. So, doesn't look very good for Chris Wallace. We'll see. Got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Uh, they're waiting for the press conference in New York City to come up with the, the shooter situation there. But, honestly, they haven't released any new information. They're still looking for the U-Haul with Arizona plates, but there there just isn't a ton of new information about what happened there. The good news is, is that everybody looks like they're going to recover. Uh, the problem is that the gunman is still loose, and so they're still trying to find that that uh, that gunman. So again, we'll we'll have to you know keep briefing you on this over the next couple of days. If something does happen, we'll certainly break in and cover it. But we don't know that there's actually going to be any resolution to this today, uh, at least not during this show. All right, what else do we have? Oh, this is an interesting story. So I ran into this earlier. I teased it earlier. There is a journalist from France, and uh, I I looked it up. Uh, Le Figaro is the oldest newspaper in France. It's one of their newspapers of record. Now, that means this is like real news, okay? This is not like a tabloid or some independent journalist or whatever. This is a real journalist for a prestigious newspaper in France, okay? And they had something very interesting to say about Ukraine. Uh, French journalists who returned from Ukraine after arriving with volunteer fighters told broadcaster CNews that Americans are directly in charge of the war on the ground. Now, I find this interesting for a couple of different reasons. One, I think most of us assume that the United States is giving more support to Ukraine uh, as far as in, a, in an advisory role, in a strategic role, than anybody wanted to admit probably from an intelligence standpoint as well. But also, I want to go back to um, one of the videos that we actually play on our live stream during some commercial breaks where Joe Biden let slip that we were training Ukrainian troops in Poland. And this was after Joe Biden went to Poland and told American troops that they were going to go into Ukraine 
and they would be fighting Russians. And then he denied ever saying it, but he said it. So that happened. And then the Pentagon walked back and said, we're not training anybody in, U- in, uh, in Poland. We're not training the Ukrainians in Poland. We're, not, we're totally not training the Ukrainians in Poland. And then we ended up, you know, finding out in congressional hearings that there was some weird wordplay from the general about training. And he couldn't get really any answers. Uh, Tom Cotton was asking the question, are we training Ukrainian troops in Poland? You know, Joe Biden said so. I'm just, I'm just asking, are we doing that? And then he said, I, I, I don't really think so. And then we ended up confirming that there was training going on, but it wasn't military drills. <laughs> so there was a lot of, of the, the White House. Um, and again, this is all because you have a dementia-ladled man as your alleged commander-in-chief. And he let slip something that wasn't supposed to get out because he he was not cognizantly aware that he had to keep that a secret. He let it out. Um, it's embarrassed the country. It's caused a whole bunch of, of security breaches as a result. But this has now led to this point here. So we know that we were training Ukrainian troops in Ukraine in a supposed classroom environment, okay, now we've got a French journalist from the oldest newspaper in France going on television and saying basically the United States is running the ground war there. Now, I, I don't know if that's true. I'm just telling you what his report is, and I find it to be very interesting considering what Joe Biden let slip a couple of weeks ago. The assertion was made by Le Figaro, or Figaro, senior international correspondent, uh, Georges Malbruno. Malbruno said that he had accompanied French volunteer fighters, two of whom had previously fought against ISIS. And I've told you before, you know, a lot of the people who fought with the Kurds, um, you know, it, the, the Peshmerga, they're going over to Ukraine now and they're fighting. They're lending their services over there. I had the surprise. And so did they to discover that to be able to enter the Ukrainian army. Well, it's the Americans who are in charge. That's what he said. Now, we do know that Americans are doing some training over there. There are Americans who are not officially a part of the military who are conducting training. So a lot of, you know, uh, you know, former tier one, tier two guys were over there training the civilians and basic maneuvers and movements and marksmanship. And so we do know that, but they're not there at, in an official capacity. OK, adding that he and volunteers almost got arrested by the Americans who asserted that they were in charge. Uh, the journalist then revealed that they were forced to sign a contract until the end of the war. And who is in charge? It's the Americans. I saw it with my own eyes, Malbruno added. I thought that I was in with the international brigades, and I found myself facing the Pentagon. Malbruno also mentioned America providing Ukraine with switchblade suicide drones, something highlighted by Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin in a tweet that revealed Ukrainian soldiers were being trained to use that device in Mississippi. Uh, now, the switchblade drone is is phenomenal. That's that. It's basically a non-explosive. Uh, ordinance and it just drops on you and basically just slices you to pieces it's it's really cool minimizes collateral damage you know not not massive explosions we've used it to uh to kill people before and i've shown some of the pictures of that on my my uh website it's i mean it is it's a very cool piece of hardware citing a french intelligence source malbruno also tweeted that british sas units have been present in ukraine since the beginning of the war as did uh the american deltas uh, and again, we know, we know that 
there are some individuals who are no longer attached with the military who are there. The real question is now, and this is important because we talked about this from the beginning of the conflict. I said, I wouldn't be surprised. We got tier one guys on the ground. (laughs) I would not be surprised at all that we have tier one guys on the ground would not be surprised. Um, And if you're talking Delta and SAS, you're talking tier one. So if you're, if you're going to get into the plausible deniability game, Maybe there's SAS and Deltas who are former, air quote here, former SAS and former Delta who are not there officially, but are there officially. Get it? So, no, these are foreign volunteers. <laughs> kind of like what the Russians do with the Spetsnaz. Uh, and and uh, what's the, uh, the name of their private military over there? Um, it starts with a W. Wagner Group. You realize their their private military contractor, Wagner, you realize they have T-80 tanks? They have tanks. That's that's astounding for, for a private company. But again, Wagner Group operates as an official extension of, of the Russian military. Uh, let's see. Russia is apparently well aware of the so-called secret war being waged in Ukraine by foreign commandos. Uh, who have been in the region since February. And let's see, both the United States and the UK have publicly asserted that there there won't be boots on the ground in Ukraine. Uh, but again, this is, and again, I, I'm sure that there's going to be some plausible deniability here. Like, hey, the Americans might be there, and maybe the Ukrainians put them in charge, but they're not there as enlisted members of the, of the service branches. They are volunteers who have experience in that branches, and we do know that a lot of a lot of tier one, tier two guys did volunteer early from from the UK and the United States to go over there and help because this is what they do. This is the type of war that they fight. And uh, they would be a tremendous asset to the Ukrainian military, and they have been. Uh, the boat that was destroyed in the harbor, this is an unconfirmed rumor, but the boat that was destroyed in the harbor that got the, the attention of the world two, three weeks ago, uh, I think two weeks ago, that allegedly was destroyed by Americans who were there volunteering with Ukraine. That's from the Ukrainian government. Uh, Again, you have to take everything you hear from the Ukrainian government with a grain of salt, but that's what they were saying. So they also said that, you know, some of the people there were former American special forces. So not like, you know, Reddit kids, but like real operators. So that's a possibility. We just don't know for sure if that actually happened. But this is interesting because this is a real journalist from a very prestigious newspaper in France saying that when they got there, that was the truth on the ground. I'm sure that if you were to ask the UK or the United States, they would tell you, no, no, we don't have any official troops over there at all. They're they're not. Anybody who's there is not enlisted in the armed forces right now, which I mean, for those of you who know, I mean, you know, right. MNC News Time is 516. We've got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Now, I got some good news, ladies and gentlemen. Officially, today, it is over. The Border Patrol has been cleared of allegedly whipping Haitian migrants with their whips from their horse, which we know didn't happen. But the news media went on this, you know, anti-Border Patrol tirade over the entire thing. They lied about it. It had already been debunked, okay? And it was debunked, I think, most hysterically, by the person who took the photographs. 
So the person who took the photographs and actually, you know, posted them online, they had a bunch of blue checkmark brigaders and journalists running out and, and telling everybody, hey, uh, they're beating these Asian people. You're, oh, sorry. I, Alyssa's not familiar. Journalist is my term for journalist. Yes. I, I think it's a more accurate term. Yeah. Stream of misinformation. Journalists. Yes. So, <laughs> but officially today, okay, even though we know it was already debunked and it had been debunked for a long time, officially the probe has ended and they have been cleared of any potential wrongdoing. They they did not act inappropriately. They didn't abuse anybody. They didn't hurt anybody. And every single person who posted about this should be kicked off of Twitter. Every blue checkmark brigader out there should be kicked off of Twitter for repeating this lie. Do you think it'll happen? Of course not. Of course it won't happen. Hillary Clinton is still up there talking about how her election was stolen from her by Putin, even though that didn't happen. The incident underwent a probe by the Customs and Border Protection Office of Professional Responsibility uh, which National Border Patrol Council President Brandon Judd, cool dude, by the way, got a chance to meet him and interview him in Washington, D.C. Um, second favorite interview of that entire time that I was there for Hold Their Feet to the Fire. Really, really cool dude. Uh, he revealed that it had yielded no evidence supporting the left-wing theory that agents whipped any Haitian migrants. And again, the photographer himself said he saw no inappropriate behavior by the Border Patrol at all. He just took the photos. He was there to document it. He posted them. And that's when the blue checkmark brigaders took those photos and ran with them, even though he never accused the Border Patrol of hurting anybody. The only reason that we know uh, that they were cleared is because the OPR, the Office of Professional Responsibility, started their investigation and they compelled them to give a statement, which uh, you compel somebody to give a statement. You can't take criminal, criminal action against them, Judd explained while speaking to the Daily Caller. The incident took place back in September of 2021 when thousands of Haitian migrants were part of a surge precipitated by the White House's lax immigration policies attempting to cross the border into Del Rio, Texas. Now, that was, of course, just one of the times that we had to deal with all of that because this is obviously happening now and has happened many, many times under Obama and under under Biden now several times as well. Um, but it is important that, you know, we have an official conclusion to the uh, the inquiry, even though we knew that they were innocent and weren't actually going to face any reprimands. But it's officially over. It ended yesterday and the officers were completely and totally cleared of any and all information. So or, or uh, abuse. Sorry, not information. Abuse. All right. Uh, what do we have here? <clears throat> uh, where did it go? I just had it. Okay, I don't know why. There, yes, folks. Um, I need some food. I I don't know how else to explain that. Okay, it wasn't even a brain fart. It was a brain vacuum, just gone. Everything gone. I closed the tab that I was looking at, and and I I didn't know where it went. <laughs> so, one of those days, uh, left wing activists have suggested attacking SUVs to fight climate change. So we're back to this. Here's what they're doing. They're telling people to go pop tires on SUVs. Okay. Um, one, good way to get yourself beaten by, by somebody who's going to be really angry at having to you know, spend a few hundred dollars to replace a tire. Uh, the other thing is if you pop a tire, you're actually harming the environment, you blithering stupid idiots. 
Do they not know about the whole tire manufacturing and disposal process? Tires are really environmentally friendly when you burn them, right, Alyssa? You burn tires? Yes, super environmentally friendly, yeah. Uh, what happens to tires that get destroyed? They get disposed of. <laughs> that means new tires have to be made. And I know that there's a few people out there, because we watched an episode uh, of this over the weekend. I know there's a few people out there who think you can build a house out of compressed tires. You can't build a house out of compressed tires, okay? It can't happen, right? It's not structurally stable. A few, uh, well, anyway, a left-wing environmentalist activist group proposed deflating the tires of sports utility vehicles as a radical act of protest against climate change. As opposed to other radical acts like don't breathe anymore. If they all stopped breathing, we wouldn't have any climate change. I believe that. Prove me wrong. Stop breathing. Let's see if I'm right. Adbusters, an activist group that describes itself as a collective of artists, designers, writers, musicians, poets, punks, philosophers, and wild hearts, has been uh, <laughs> smashing ads, fighting corruption, and speaking truth to power. Okay, that is <laughs> that's a really self-aggrandizing way of saying you don't produce anything. You, you, why, why are the punks and wild hearts in there? Artists, designers, writers, musicians, poets, philosophers. Oh, and also punks and wild hearts. <laughs> okay. Uh, they were tied to the Occupy Wall Street protests in 2011. They called for activists to deflate SUV tires in a Twitter thread on Wednesday. Uh, all right. Well, hey, let's head over to Twitter, shall we? They're calling, this is, this is calling for criminal activity, right? You're not allowed to mess with somebody's tires. This is actually calling for criminal activity. Wouldn't you know it, that tweet is still up there on Twitter right now. How about that? You're not supposed to be able to call for criminal activity, yet that's exactly what they have done. So here's what we do. Wedge gravel in their tire valves. Leaflet the SUV. So let them know the tires are flat and why it was done and walk away, the organization wrote. It's that simple. If we organize, we can hit enough SUVs in particular neighborhoods to spark reporting and spread the meta meme. All right, I like. Are these people just hooked up to like an acid drip or something? Meta meme? Really? Are you a kid's movie? Meta meme? We do this neighborhood at a time to make the biggest splash, organize a crew off of any traceable apps, and make leaflets that lay out the case for climate action. Well, nothing says, join us in fighting climate change like ruining somebody's day. Yeah, that's, that's going to really work out well for you. But again, they are calling for criminal illegal activity. It is still on their Twitter and Twitter has still allowed it to be published. Hmm. Interesting. MNC News Time is 531. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. Ah. Oh. You know what? Some of you don't have CBD lotion on your knuckles and it shows. Go to allnaturalcbd.org, promo code KC10, pick up the full spectrum CBD. First of all, it's going to make you feel better. The pain's going to go away. 
you're going to have moisturized skin. I mean, like, you know, I might be talking about myself. For those of you on the camera, you can maybe see my, my hands are really messed up right now. So you go to allnaturalcbd.org, promo code KC10. You get 10% off the CBD lotion. You can get uh, unscented or you can get a natural lavender scent if you prefer. And you just rub it where it hurts. And if you got fibromyalgia, arthritis, any minor aches and pains, muscle soreness from post-workout, anything like that, and it is going to help relieve that pain lickety-split. Usually it's about three minutes for me when I have some kind of a muscle spasm or, or something of that nature. Allnaturalcbd.org, promo code KC10. Okay. Uh, there is, um, well, there's a lot of stuff that's happening in the world that obviously we, we haven't even been able to get get to uh, over the past several days um there's a lot happening locally there this i I, here's the thing i just want to take a couple of minutes and just want to tell you like everything i guess is going to be technically okay all right but the world is certainly messed up right now and you need to be aware of that there's a lot going on and i know that i come on this show a lot and i have bad news after bad news after bad news i try to throw in some humor i try to throw in some some lighthearted stuff, but it's a lot of bad news. And that's because, frankly, there was an opportunity for bad people to take off and run with this stuff, and, and that is precisely what they have done. You know, a lot of parents right now are embroiled in a battle that they never wanted to be engaged with. They they didn't want to have this, this fight with schools and teachers and teachers' unions and, and everything else. Um, early on the early show today, we did the show mostly on funding students and not schools. And this is a basic concept that we apply everywhere else in our society, almost except for education. So in education, most of you know this, right? You're where you live, you get zoned for a certain school. That school gets money because the kid goes to that school in the state of Indiana, which is one of the best voucher states. If you take your kid out of that school and put him in the private school, if you're lucky, you can take 90% of that money with you and put it to the new school. But the other 10% stays with the original school, so they have a net benefit. Then they will lie to you about it and budgets and all that other stuff. But you have to ask yourself, like, why this is happening. And we had a couple of stories here. You know, you've got a softball coach that has engaged in a sexual relationship with a 13-year-old child, um, guys older than I am. Is he 54 or 45? I don't know. If he was 45, he looked like he was 54. But he's engaging in a sexual relationship with a 13-year-old kid. Now, a 13-year-old kid doesn't know any better. And, and I know that if you're 13 right now and you're listening to this, you're going, I know. I, I promise you, you don't. And I know that you don't believe me. But you will when you're my age. You will when you're a lot younger than me. And, and you know, as parents, we have to deal with that with our kids. They just, you know, all you can do is give them the best possible advice that you can give them and hope that they make the best decision for them uh, as they go through life. And, and oftentimes they won't because everybody makes mistakes and that's okay. As long as those mistakes aren't catastrophic. And that's what we have to minimize is catastrophic damage to our kids and parents who desperately wanted to love their kid's teacher and their kid's school and be involved in the PTA and um, wanted to believe that the school board was really just, you know, citizens who are basically donating their time to make sure that kids were being educated and now all of that has been completely changed. One of the things that we talked about in the early show today, which you can get at rumble.com slash Casey, the host, is that research has been done since the pandemic started. Nationally, people support school choice 
10% more than they did before the pandemic. Democrats support it 20% more. So the biggest shift has been in Democrats supporting school choice. Now, that's not an easy thing for them to admit because the Democrats are married to very powerful, very influential teachers unions and their political lobbies. And it's not an easy thing for Democrats to go, I don't agree with teachers unions. I believe that school choice should happen. But, you know, part of this concept of funding kids is that if the the government just instead of funding a school for how many students are there, just funded the student and that money went to wherever the student went, this would be a much better educational system. And you would have schools that, you know, if they don't do well, they can't compete. South Bend, looking at you, Elkhart, looking at you, they can't compete. Then they're going to lose those students. And so they're going to be forced to make reforms. And they'll either make those reforms and people will start wanting to go to school there again, or they won't and they will fold. And what we have seen, luckily, and there's a lot of people out there who go, well, we can't have less schools. Well, if you need less schools, then you need less schools. You know, South Bend School Corporation is holding on to buildings that they don't need because they don't want charter schools opening up in their district and competing with them because they know that they're going to lose to the charter schools because they know their educational system is not very good. South Bend schools knows they don't do a good job, which is why everybody leaves them. They know that, and that's why they don't want charter schools to compete. If they did a good job, they wouldn't be worried about a charter school because the charter school wouldn't pilfer a lot of students away, but they know they're not doing a good job. So you get into these these situations where you're in this constant battle uh, for not just money and everything else, but, you know, we've seen nationally, there's been several studies that have been done on this. We talked about this in the early show again today, because I'm only able to do a couple of minutes here, but we did a lot more in the early show. There are studies that, that have been done where you have the failing public schools who suddenly are surrounded by by very good private schools or charter schools. And what ends up happening is in most places, the public schools up their game. They start firing bad teachers. They start recruiting good teachers. They start incorporating good policies. Um, bad administrators are, are relieved of their duties and good administrators are brought in. Enthusiasm goes up. Uh, achievement goes up. Test scores increase. Because they're competing with better products. And there's no excuse to lose to a better product when the better product has way less money per pupil than you do. But that's what happens to public schools all over the country. But in addition to that, you're, you're now dealing with critical race theory and pornography in the classroom and, you know, a bunch of inappropriate material and hiding gender and, and sex education stuff from parents and, and all of these things that are going on. In some cases, we've had nurses come forward and say that students in the school are taking uh, you know, uh, puberty blockers and things of that nature without parents even knowing about that. And we are a society where the school nurse wouldn't even give you an aspirin unless you had an express written note from a doctor and mom. And, and we've had schools that I've talked about in the past who have literally bust people across state lines to get abortions. You know, this is, this is not a battle that parents wanted to have, but it's one that parents have been forced into. The pandemic has provided them an opportunity to have clarity about what's actually happening in class. But you know, if the educational system doesn't get changed, there's going to be some major, major problems going forward. We talk about how ignorant people are. And that's we're in this immediate self-gratification society where everything that we do is 30 seconds, 10 seconds. It has to be immediately catching. If it doesn't catch us, then we move on. 
You know, these are all things that are damaging us. So just take a moment, if you would, in your life and just take a step back and just say, look, we're going to focus on the good stuff. We're not going to be lazy with our time with each other. And we're going to really work for the high quality aspects of our personal relationships with our family and our kids because they desperately, desperately need it. They won't appreciate it now, but parents, when they're older, they will. They'll look back on those memories very fondly. We've got more coming up, 95.3 MNC.